This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast. The podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is black and white. Welcome back to another episode of the Team Stripes podcast. Uh, Brandon coming to you with another fantastic episode. And we hope you guys listened to last week's with Adam Allard. Um, this week we have a really special guest who's a really good friend of mine who is a published uh, blogger, I guess you could say, who's published multiple articles on um, reasons you should, you should become a referee or, you know, qualities of great officials and somebody who's really uh, done a lot of research, I guess, on, on this topic. And he's also a, as an official and an executive. So he referees in the Central League here in Ottawa, as well as junior hockey here in the, in the area. And then on the side, he is also an executive um, and has previously acted as a director of discipline for a local district, as well as a, an assigner that is uh, going to be his next role. So we are really happy to welcome to the podcast, Sean Corcoran. Sean, thanks for uh, coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Brandon. Yeah, so uh, that's a pretty good uh, background you have here, as I'm sure the listeners have uh, just found out. Uh, maybe could you just talk about how you know you came to get involved with the referee world and uh, what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I started about eight years ago uh, when I was 13. I think that was the youngest you could be. I applied. I did my phone interview, and here I am eight years later. And now I'm doing IRAF the midget up to midget double a in the central so that's all of central and then i also do lining for the junior hockey at the junior b uh blogger might be pushing it a bit i uh, wrote a few articles but um yeah i published them on medium i put them on a website that i had to make for one of my classes um and i also am doing the assigning this year like you mentioned uh, so i'm taking over the junior assigner role for district b uh which is novice adam and peewee hockey okay so for those of you that don't know, which I'm, I'm sure is most of you, uh, I used to be the director of discipline for the district, and Sean was actually the one that took over for me. So I think we fought a lot of the same battles uh, in terms of having to, unfortunately, find some referees for not uh, showing up to games and uh, whatnot. So uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, how was, uh, how was uh, doing, uh, doing that job for you, Sean? Yeah, that was always tough because you you know all the guys like you you work with them you see them and then something happens and you have to find them or yeah you, ha- you have to at least look into it so there were a lot of times where you'd look into what happened you'd have to send a couple emails talk to them back and forth get their side of the story and a lot of the time you'd have to make that hard decision to find someone that you work with and you you like a lot yeah like one of the points i made in my uh reasons to be a ref was that you're friends with all your coworkers. And uh, I, I know myself, I'm friends with a lot of referees, and I talk to a lot of referees outside of actually refereeing. So, yeah, uh, it was a tough job, but I mean, it was a good experience for sure. Well, I guess you're basically sure you refer- refereeing the referees as uh, yeah, part of the exactly. job. But yeah, let's get into some of these articles that you wrote because I've read through them and they're pretty, they're pretty darn good because you're basically talking about the reasons and, and and qualities for why officials or why officiating can give you. Um, that skill set to do well, not just, you know, on the ice, but in your professional life and your personal life and everything. So maybe I wonder if you could just maybe kind of talk about, you know, why you decided to write them and, you know, kind of what, a little bit about what they're about. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for the 
compliment on those. I've worked pretty hard on them. Uh, so for the one of the, the third one I wrote, actually, the reason I wrote them, I was trying to think of things that would engage people and things that would people would want to read. So instead of just writing about rules and things like that that only referees would know, I tried to get people who weren't referees as well engaged into the articles. So the first one that I wrote was that one about, I titled it Ref You Suck, uh, a referee <laughs> point of view on abuse from the stands. So that one was just a quick, uh, in my first year of refing, I actually, one of the, I think I was doing an Adam game and there was a parent in the stands. It was an Adam playoff game and she was just yelling and yelling and yelling. And I, we actually happened to be being supervised that game. And our supervisor went up and asked her politely to tone it down because the people on the ice were kids. And I was 13 at the time. And I believe my partner was around that age as well. And she ended up just getting even more mad and yelling at the supervisor as well. So um, that, that ended up making it actually into the Ottawa Citizen. And I went back and I found that article that was written up about it. And a couple, like our District B referee in chief at the time was Bruce Gray. And he had a couple quotes in there. And there were a few quotes from our referee association. And it was a big deal at the time. So that one I thought would interest a lot of people because it's things that they don't think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and uh, I know you've told me that story. And uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, like when we had um, Adam on to on the podcast last uh, last week, he was we were basically talking about that as, you know, dealing with that confrontation. But... I mean, it seems sometimes that, uh, geez, like, I mean, at an Adam game for a parent to kind of lose their marbles is pretty, I don't know, seems pretty ridiculous to me. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, looking back now, it's like, it doesn't matter. But at the time, it's like your first year refing, and, like, these parents are just yelling at you, and it's crazy. And I'm sure it still happens all the time Yeah. with our younger officials. And it's something that I also wanted to maybe bring out there so other people can see because it's still happening to our young officials. It's it's good that you can highlight that because I mean, like a lot of the time, I mean that sort of behavior, I mean, you you need to kind of put it out there and and just show how ridiculous some people are getting. I mean, it's like people are normal people. Then they go into a hockey rink and it's just, they lose all sense of control and just start screaming and yelling. And uh, it's, (laughs) it's pretty amazing, you know? And you know, so that, that was a really cool article. I, I read that. And then, the other ones I, I wanted to get into because I think it's really interesting in talking about, you know, as referees, how this is not just necessarily a part-time job for us, but it can really help you in, you know, getting a career, getting a job, even just, you know, gaining confidence for yourself. So I wonder yeah. if you could maybe touch on the other couple articles that you wrote um, and, and, you know, sort of maybe what you learned from that and what maybe you were trying to, some of the messages you were trying to convey from those articles. Yeah, for sure. So I'll go to the one that I wrote. Uh, titled four reasons you should become a hockey official so that one my four reasons were it gives you a different perspective of the game uh you gain and improve transferable skills which like you mentioned it helps you outside of hockey and helps you with your career uh i said your coworkers are like a second family and you have a very flexible schedule so it's hard to be a job like that so just i guess starting with the giving you a different perspective on the game when you're out there as a ref there are a lot like you watching from the stands is one thing, but when you're out there, you have a totally different view. You're looking at things differently. Everyone, they're right beside you. You're in the game. You're, it's like you're another player. And so it's something that it's allowed me to experience that and grow as a person and, well, as a referee over eight years, like I would have never been able to without doing that if I had just played. So that was something that I thought a lot of people could, a lot of people that love hockey could really benefit from yep. learning more of the rules and 
experiencing having to call them being that person that makes every decision out on the ice there. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, and uh, I mean, you know, I mean, hockey is such a part of our culture too that you're always surrounded by it. And it definitely helps if you're just watching a game with friends or going out so that, you, you know, you do have that perspective. And, you yeah, know, yeah, I mean, exactly. And we talk about it a lot, but you see a lot of people that are screaming at the officials, and I'm sure 99% of them have probably never refereed a game in their lives. So I could definitely yeah. see where that would help you. Um, okay. yeah. And then I like the second point you're talking about, kind of, I guess, gaining and, and you know having those those skills that you can transfer over. I mean, can you maybe talk a little bit about that and, uh, and, yeah, and you know, how you've seen that in your own life and you know what kind of skills yeah. you've been able to transfer? So I think that, that this is probably like the most important point for me. I probably should have put this one as number one looking back. But um, I know like when I first started, I was very nervous. I'm not a big guy. Um, and I was very small when I started. I remember refing some Adam kids that were taller than me. So like, my, <laughs> so, like confidence-wise, communication, like talking to adults when I was like a 13-year-old kid, like it was kind of terrifying, like especially if they're yelling at you. So um, – like as I grew and as I like became older now, I have no problem talking to anybody just because I'm so used to talking to different players, different coaches, other referees, even timekeeper fans, anyone. You're, when you're out there refing, you're talking to people all the time. And just that communication has helped me grow. Like as a business student as well, communication and like networking is everything. And so talking with coaches, talking with players, just having that conversation going nonstop on the ice helps you so much just with communication. That's probably the skill that I found I improved the most and teamwork as well. Like you're out there with, I guess when you start one other person, but usually up now where we are two or three other guys that are refing the game with you and it's a different crew every time, but you're still buddies and you talk to all of them and you, you can work with all of them as well as you can work with anyone. So teamwork has helped me adapt to different people's styles of refing because everyone refs a little bit differently, even though we're all supposed to kind of be doing the same thing. Everyone has their own way of doing it and sure. adapting to everyone's different habits is something that also I've noticed for sure. And confidence as well as the third one that I had there. So communication, teamwork and confidence. And my confidence has definitely gone up just from refing. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. everyone compl- we always say like the yelling and the yelling, it gets to you. But for me, the yelling, it kind of just, like it doesn't matter now because I just know that I know my rules. I know that I know what I'm talking about. And the odds are that the coach or player that's yelling at me has no idea what they're yelling at. They're just probably yelling because they're pissed. So it's yeah. just easy to again, communicate, explain to them what you saw, what the rule is. And that's all confidence. And to me, like that has helped me with my job right now. I do marketing for a company called Gumdocs. And again, that's talking to people and Marketing is a lot of selling as well. So just being confident in what you're saying and knowing what you're talking about, or at least pretending like you know what you're talking about, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it helps for sure. And that, like, ref, I credit refing with a lot of those skills that I've gained. Well, no, and I, uh, when you're talking, I can, I can definitely relate to pretty much everything you're saying because, um, you know, I have a background in trying to, you know, build biz- businesses as well. And I mean, you're totally right when you talk about, you know, things like confidence and working with teams. I mean, uh, you know, anybody in business knows that selling is a huge part of, of building a business or even in marketing, you're, you know, you're selling. And if you mm-hmm. can't have that confidence and be able to use those, you know, skills like you're talking about to talk with people or, or, or whatever, I mean, I could definitely 
see how that's that's a huge asset for for anybody to have especially somebody young that's going into the workforce you know to impress an employer or to impress a, impress a customer with that confidence or whatever that, that that is really huge though huh yeah for sure like i've done a, i've done a few interviews i haven't done too many i'm still uh i'm just graduating now so um i've done a few over my few years in university and every time when i go into an interview and they see referee on my resume. That's like the first thing they ask. They ask me because like they're interested in hearing like what I've experienced. Because I mean, they would probably watch games as well, and they see they know what they think, and they know they're yelling at their TV, and they have kids. They've seen what happens at the ring. So the first thing they always ask me is like, or if the question is like, how have you dealt with pressure, or how have you dealt with conflict? Refereeing is an easy reference to give, and they they're astonished with some of the answers that I can give just because of some of the crazy experiences that we've had as referees. Yeah. And, uh, no, you're not the first person to tell me that sure enough. I mean, especially with a lot of my other referee buddies, I mean, they say the exact same thing. I mean, you go into that job interview, there's certainly questions that you're going to face almost every time. And that's kind of seems to be always a question is, you know, what adversity have you faced or have you dealt with conflict? Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you can say that you've you've faced down a screaming forty-year-old man as a thirteen-year-old <laughs> child, I mean, it doesn't get, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that, right? It's hard to beat that, yeah. Yeah, geez, no, and even yeah. just you know, talking about you know something like teamwork too. I mean, like you say, like in refereeing, it's it's really a team effort. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, like, no. like like we know when you're dealing with different personalities, and I know you're talking about you know in your article how it's really like a second family and. You know, I really like the idea of, you know, talking about business and everything or even just, you know, a career about how you sort of work with other personalities. I mean, could you maybe talk about how that might have helped you and kind of your career and what you see, you know, moving forward for that? Yeah, sure. So for my like my career, I do marketing. So like I said, at a dental company and a lot of that is actually organizing dental events. So um I organize events for other general dentists to come because they all have to get continuing education credits. So that's also always talking. So I'm, I visit offices. I talk to dentists. I show them what courses we're offering. I kind of sell them on the courses and get them to come listen to our doctors present these courses. So that's a lot of my job. And just like you said, having that confidence and being able to talk to even maybe not talking to me with my team, but talking to them and their team. It's not just for dentists, it's for dentists, hygienists, assistants, and the whole office. So talking like a team and being able to explain to them how uh, this sort of event can benefit them and their team and help them work better. And kind of, I can also relate that back to refereeing and how things like all the courses that we've taken and all the mentorship things and all the training courses that we have that helps us develop as a team. So doing another course like that for them together as a team would help them in order to grow and get closer and work better together. Yeah, absolutely. And um, another thing you kind of talked about was, I guess, the flexibility um, of you know scheduling uh, your time as a referee and how it kind of makes for a really good part-time job. I wonder if you might be able to expand on that. Oh yeah, for sure. Like being able to referee through school was huge. And I, a lot of part-time jobs don't allow you the kind of time off that refereeing does. I mean, refereeing allows you to unblock yourself when you want to, and then you get, they assign 
around your schedule. So being a student in university, if I had a night class one time, or if I had an early morning class, or if I had a midterm, I could try to trade my game and someone like you or anybody else in our association could take it and help me out. And that's something that you just don't see in other jobs. It's like, I find it very unique to roughing, and it's something that I've never seen other than that. And like I said, it helped me, it gave me some extra cash to help pay off my tuition at the university. And of course, keep meeting other refs and talking to people. Gave me something to do. I was just sitting studying. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a great point. And even kind of talking about, you know, like gaining skills and everything. I mean, it, it, refereeing is a great way to kind of learn things like confidence and, you know, um, those things that you can apply to school, right? Exactly. And even for school, like when I, like even like that confidence and communication that I'm talking about in business, a lot of my classes, almost every single one of my classes has some sort of presentation and or group project. So like, again, it helps you transfer for me to my school anyways, with working with groups, everyone in groups in school, groups can be great. Groups can be terrible. It all depends on who you have and you don't, you have to figure out how to deal with them. So how to deal with different people, how to fix conflict in groups too, like that, it, it helped me a lot in school as well. Yeah, no, and uh, that's something that I certainly kind of, I guess, appreciate a lot is, 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 you know, the skills that it's given me. And, you know, especially, you know, over time and, you know, dealing with coaches and, and you know, learning about how to be honest and how to approach a bench with confidence. And that's sort of like it's really been helpful for me, um, to say the least. Every time you go to the bench, it's like a it's like a mini presentation. You're giving your side of what you saw to the coach and like you said, honesty is better. If you miss something, they will not, they will often not get that mad at you for admitting that you missed one thing. I mean, if you're going back to the bench every time and saying you're missing it, that's a different story. But if you miss one thing and you go and say, Hey coach, sorry, I missed the call. I was looking the other way. I saw something there and then didn't catch the other thing. They, they can't, it's hard to argue with you there because you're one person, you have two eyes and you can only look in one direction. So it's definitely better to say that you didn't see it. And be honest, like you said, rather than try to make something up and say, no, I didn't think that was something I wanted to call. Yeah, no, man, I, I completely agree with you. And um, no, like it's something that I always kind of learned uh, that, you know, honesty is honestly the best way to go. And, you know, I mean, geez, you lie once and you get caught lying. I mean, your credibility is shot, not just for that game, but I mean, you kind of, especially if you're working a league that you see coaches a lot. I mean, they know that, you, you know, you were dishonest. So, to me, it's a no-brainer to, to, to just be completely honest with a coach. I mean, you mess up, you mess up. You know, tell them what you saw. Um, and to me, that, that that's, like I said, it's a no-brainer. But, um, you know, listen, I'm curious kind of to, to figure about, you know, what made you want to write about this. And, you know, I, I, like I, we mentioned, you kind of have some blogs that you've written. So I'm just curious if you might want to um, kind of get into that and talk about a little bit about, you know, um, the process for writing those. Yeah, for sure. So when I... When I had to think of the articles I wanted to write, I was sitting around thinking what I could write about, about hockey. And I was thinking refing and what skills it's given me and what qualities. And then I figured instead of just saying what skills it's given me, I thought I should say what qualities you should have if you want to be a referee. Because I was kind of trying to get people to see that you can't, not everybody can just go out there and ref a hockey game. It takes a special kind of person. So I came up with a couple qualities. I had a list of, I think, maybe 12, 15, and then I narrowed it down to the eight ones that I thought that were really key to being a hockey official. So the first one that I had, again, it links back strong communication skills. And I mean, 
when you're roughing, you gain those with time, but it doesn't hurt to have them coming in, of course. So like having them coming in, then they get even better. If you don't have them and you're able to work on it, then like refing allows you to work on that and get better at communicating. But how, you, you have to be a strong communicator because like we mentioned earlier, you're talking to players, coaches, your other referees, possibly fans, that you're talking to everybody at all times. Uh, the second point actually it links in with what you were saying. Honestly, it's be respectful. So you can't go over to a bench and just be yelling at people or you, you can't lose your cool very easily. You have to, you have to be respectful to everyone on the ice. And a lot of the time you're not going to get treated with respect. You're going to be yelled at, but you have to come back at that with respect and it'll help settle them down. And it'll also boost your confidence because then they'll, they'll come down to your level and they'll talk with you and realize that you both saw different things or you saw the same thing in a different way, I guess. Okay. Yep. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, the third one I have here is staying consistent. So coaches, a lot of the time, like even if you call a consistently bad game, I mean, probably doesn't happen often, but it happens to everyone once in a while. Um, then like, at least the coaches kind of know what to expect as long as you're consistent. Like if you're, if you're calling one thing for one team and you don't call the exact same play on the other team, that's when coaches get upset. If they see the same standard throughout the whole game, then it's not really like you did a bad job. It's just you held your standard and you went through the whole game with that one standard. As long as you're not calling it differently for both teams, then you should be good. Yeah, no, and I mean, I, 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 I agree with you with where you're coming from with that. I mean, um, it's something that I've always been taught, you know, consistency is probably the the highest, I guess, um, trait to kind of pursue as a referee. Um, I mean, you know, sometime, and we've all been there where, you know, maybe your first call of the game is a week trip and, you know, the coaches say, okay, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. But, you know, as long as you keep it consistent, that's, that's sort of the name of the game because then the players know kind of the limits they can, they can play to. And uh, it really is when you get in trouble is when you try and kind of jump around with that level of, of standard. I was going to say, I've heard, I've heard the exact same thing. Like as long if you're calling a soft trip, like you said, at the beginning of the game, they want to see that called throughout the whole game. Like they, they don't want to see that called once and the same thing be let go later in the game. So then the players don't know what to expect. They don't know how they don't know what the ref is going to do next. And that's when they get more frustrated. I think that, you know, you're writing these articles and you're talking about values and geez, like when I'm thinking of this and I'm thinking of the, you know, the abuse you're getting, I'm thinking of something, you know, like persistence and, and sort of these values of sticking, sticking with it through, through tough times. I mean, certainly that, that's, that's a pretty common theme in your articles. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that kind of loops in with the consistency because like I said, if you're not having, like you might think you're, everyone's harder on themselves than they are when other people are on them. So you might think you're having a bad game and you might get yelled at by a parent. And a lot of people, there are a lot of referees who quit hockey um, just because of the abuse and just because they, they can't deal with it. So if you're not persistent, you're not going to be able to fight through that. So I think the main reason I included that was linking back to the first article I talked about, the ref you suck one, where you're getting yelled at. And like if a lot of people, if they get yelled at once, they're like, oh, well, I don't want to do that anymore. I can't deal with that. And you're going to make a mistake. You might get yelled at, but you, go, you have to look for improvement. You have to be persistent. You have to keep working towards getting, just like anything else. You can't be great at anything without working on it and trying to improve. 
So you take your mistakes with a grain of salt and you work on them to become better. Yeah, I mean, like anything in life, I mean, you're never going to be good at something the first time you try it. And certainly officiating is no exception to that where it really takes a lot of dedication to, um, I guess, honing your craft um, and switching gears a little bit, uh, certainly to kind of get that idea of where to apply your stand and how to be consistent um, requires a great deal of judgment. And judgment's not something you kind of maybe are born with. It's something that comes with experience. And I'm wondering if you could maybe tell the listeners a little bit about how you maybe develop your judgment and kind of your take on it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say that the way my judgment developed is watching other referees who are doing the higher levels than I am and seeing how they call it and seeing what gets called. So when I first started, or I guess when I first started doing competitive levels, I was on the lines and the lines are the same, whether it's a contact game and non-contact game. And when I first started doing contact, I'd watch the hits, I'd watch the calls that the referee was making. And obviously, like we said, every referee is different. Everyone has their standard. And I would, I kind of found my own standard in through watching everyone else's. And I found how I wanted to see that. And then I kept watching other referees and like watching, even watching NHL referees, you watch what they call, you watch how they do things and you develop your own sort of style or what you know you want to call. And then getting into the game and refing it myself, it's totally different to throw on the bands and go and ref the game than it is to line. So even when you're watching the same stuff, you're in a different position, you see it better. And I think just by doing more games and seeing more things happen, my judgment has gotten better. And I know you can, you can feel, I'm sure you're the same as me. You've done a lot of games. You can sense when a game, when you need to call a penalty, when a game is going the wrong way or when players are getting more frustrated and things are going wrong. And like I said in the article, it's called game management. Like you, that's a lot of your judgment, just knowing when you need a call, when you don't need a weak call, but you also still have to keep it consistent. You can't just pick and choose. Yeah. And I, I certainly think it's a challenge to kind of maintain that. And it's not an easy job. And, um, certainly there's a lot of scrutiny that comes with, with, you know, maintaining that judgment and that standard. And, you know, like you're saying, understanding when to make those calls, when not to make the calls. Um, there's a lot of challenge that goes into it. Um, but I, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and well, sort of the same theme, but, you know, talk about what it, what it takes to really make these calls. I mean, certainly, you know, hockey officials are, are heavily scrutinized. I mean, especially in the higher levels where there's, you know, videos and replays and they can slow down and watch a hundred times. I mean, there's a lot of scrutiny on you. And, you know, to me, I think in officiating, one of the highest, you know, traits that you can try and pursue is integrity. I mean, we were talking about honesty earlier where, you know, there's there's an onus on you to be honest. But to me, I think integrity is kind of, you know, the higher the highest value that a referee could have. Because certainly there's going to be tough calls that you can make in a game, um, you know, where you might not want to make it or, you know, a team is going to react poorly, but you have to make it. So I'm wondering if you maybe talk a little bit about, you know, integrity and what you see as, as the importance of integrity for a hockey referee. Yeah, for sure. Well, like you said, it, it's an important quality to have for anything and anyone with any job. But I think especially hockey officials, because we're so scrutinized, everyone's watching us. We control the whole game and everyone sees what we see, but they're all in a different area and we're the ones that are making the decision. So I would have to say that integrity is huge. Like we mentioned earlier, honesty is way better than making up something. So I think that if you can, 
if you can be honest and you can keep your game honest and you're not making up things as you go, because when you start to make up excuses for yourself on the ice, it's just kind of a, you're looking to go down a downward, downward spiral really quickly. Like you're going to make up an excuse. And if you miss something else, you're going to have to make up another excuse. And when something else happens because of that, it, like, it's just, you don't want the excuses to stack up because coaches will see right through that. Like you said, and it, it's just much better to, know your rules enforce what you know and stick with it and be honest yeah and and just to build off that i mean we talk about integrity as an official and um i think the situations that that to me uh, take a lot of integrity are the ones where maybe you're a linesman or um, maybe you know one of your partners on the ice doesn't interpret something correctly or, or or misses something and you need to decide whether to step up to make that call and it can certainly be a challenge. I mean, what's your take on it? Yeah, I would say so. I would say it's more so, like you said, when I'm on the lines and I'm not the one refing the game, because it's like you you kind of want to let the referee ref their game, and you want to believe that they saw it, they saw what they saw, and you want to know that they're doing what they think is right and what is right. So I guess yeah, as a linesman, I can't remember when it was. It might have been last year. Just there was one call. I think it was it was a bit of a slew foot i had i didn't have the best angle on it but to me it looked like the guy kind of put his leg behind and shoved him over and when i looked right at the referee it looked like he was looking right at it so but there was no call made and like you said i didn't um i didn't say anything because i didn't have the best angle and i thought that he was looking right at it but yeah i realize after this because you hear the coaches yell too because the coaches usually know what happens and even if they don't they're going to yell anyways if they see their player go down <laughs> so uh, yeah like that's one thing for sure i but you learn from that and then next time you'll go and even if he doesn't call it, you go and talk to him you say hey buddy, did you see that like i think maybe there would have been a slew foot there and you still leave it up to him in the end but yeah to me as a linesman that's the hardest part it's uh you don't want to step on toes and i think i heard that actually in one of the previous podcasts as well um you don't want to step on the referee's toes as a linesman all the time but sometimes you have to make sure the right calls made too yeah and uh no i mean talking about like slew foots and stuff i i know there's been situations where as a linesman you think you see something but you're not sure and the referees ask you and it can be tough to sort of step in and and make that call um and you know i, I think part of it's just you know due to you know, you're not quite sure. Maybe you're not sure if you had the best angle. You don't know exactly what they saw. And there's sort of, a, you know, maybe some tension between you and your teammates over whether that's the right call to make. And, you know, you have to really lean on your partners, I guess, to make to make these calls. Yeah, exactly. And that's where the communication and teamwork comes in. I mean, I guess all three of you or four of you have to come to a decision on what you saw. And it's not always easy because you're all looking at it from this four different angles four different views and maybe one or two people, one or two of the refs weren't looking at that exact spot. So they might not have even seen it. So it's hard. It's tough, but yeah, it's where the teamwork comes in and you have to trust your partners. No, I think that's, that's a great point, uh, Sean. And, um, you know, like tying it all back, I guess, I mean, you talk about, you know, teamwork and, you know, integrity, um, you know, courage. I mean, all these sort of different values that it requires to be a referee and you've written on this. I mean, uh, what, what's, where have you seen this supplied in your real life? I mean, has, have you used this in school or, or, or you know, what have you used it in? Well, I guess, I'd say mostly doing schoolwork, I guess, with groups, just keeping other people honest. Cause a lot of the times they'll say, 
oh, I'm busy. I can't do this part of the assignment or, oh, I can't meet up this point. I can't do this. And it's like, and you kind of have to tell them, it's like, hey, we're all busy. We all have our own things, but we also need to get this done. Like just, if you don't want to do your part, just <laughs> tell us and one of, like someone else can make up for it or whatever if, you're, if you really have a problem. But don't keep saying you'll do it and putting it off and making excuses. And again, that goes with the honesty and the uh, judgment and everything. Just, you have to judge people. You have to, you have to try to help them out. Everyone, you never know what people are going through. And I think that like that and just being able to kind of intervene with how, with things and how they're going and reading people has really helped me a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, no, like I really like having this chat here and I mean, certainly it's great, uh, because I know, you know, you're a pretty stand up guy and you've incorporated a lot of these, you know, interrupting a lot of these values and you, you know, um, it's certainly a great pleasure to be able to read these, uh, blogs you've written. And I think it's going to be great to, to share them on our, um, podcast and our social media as well. So we'll make sure we get, um, those articles out as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree. And thank you for the compliments. And yeah, definitely we can get the blogs posted up there because I do think that they would be beneficial. Like you said, especially even just to parents who are thinking of their kids getting into refing or kids thinking of it themselves. Well, it's interesting because, you know, talking about, you know, parents, I mean, that's a whole other thing. I mean, if I'm a parent that's looking to sign up their kid to referee, I mean, and I go to the rink and I see some of the abuse that some of these young officials are getting, I mean, it's tough, especially in our generation where, you know, I think we have a lot of parents that are kind of um, overbearing and really overprotective of their children. So I think it's, you know, stuff like your articles and really just kind of promoting those positive values um, and skills is really integral in getting some of these new officials into into refereeing. Oh, I know that uh, my parents, well, uh, I, I, well, my mom came out and watched, uh, I had a it was a Bantam, major Bantam double A, I think. It was like one of the, it was a game five or six of their series. Like it was one of the last games and I was refing it and my mom came out just to watch because she didn't have anything else to do. And of course, in double A competitive hockey, parents, coaches, everyone's going to be going crazy with every call that you make. And she said it was so hard for her to sit there and just bite her tongue, not say anything to them. We were all just yelling, but she after the game, she asked. And a lot of, a lot of the things they say, I don't even really hear. So like, it's just, yeah, but I'm sure, like you said, a lot of parents wouldn't, well, they wouldn't want to sit there for sure while their kid's getting yelled at and it's, they wouldn't want their kid to be in that situation either. But like you said, when you see all the benefits of of the job too, like what the kids are getting out of it, it's it's great. It's a great experience for sure. Yeah, and uh, no, Sean, I, I totally am on the same page as you. I think it's it's really about preaching those positive benefits. Um, But uh, switching gears a little bit, I'm wondering maybe if you could talk about uh, – your role within the district in terms of uh, um, your assigning role that you're going to be doing this year and maybe uh, what you expect from it. Yeah, sure. I think it'll be a great experience. So I'm doing the junior assigning for district B and that's typically I'll be assigning the first, second, third, and maybe fourth year kids. So I'm really expecting it to be a good experience. I'm, I'm always expecting to be like kind of a mentor to them and kind of helping them get the ropes and get into the games and, helping them realize that everything that they're going through, like it's going to help them in the end. And obviously as being the assigner, I'm kind of like their boss. So I want to be the person that they can come to if they have any problems. And I want to get to know a lot of the younger refs better because those younger refs are going to be the ones that you and I will be working with in junior in 
four or five years, maybe even less, depending on how old they are and how fast they get up. So the better and the better we teach them to handle conflict and these skills, then the quicker that they can get up to the levels that we're doing and that they can do. Maybe even they can get past us. So what do you anticipate will be some of the major challenges? I mean, I'm assuming that uh, helping out a lot of these uh, maybe first, second year officials and uh, keeping them with officiating is going to be a big part of it. Yeah, for sure. So like even like just when they are like for the, especially for the students, the people in the school, because I can especially relate to that. Things come up last second, things happen. And I think that like really getting with the flexibility part of the job, I think helping them out and helping them get rid of their games and like not having to charge them to have it reassigned or not having them have to no show the game and then receiving a fine later. I think just helping them out with that and giving them support through refing and knowing and understanding from their perspective as well, because it's the same position I was in. I think if I'm able to do that, I think it would really help keep those kids here. And I mean, I know refing is also one of the reasons that I stayed in Ottawa for university. It allowed me to keep my part-time job and give me something to look forward to as well, instead of just being at school. So I think if I can really help them realize that it's more than just a job and it's more than just getting out there on the ice to get paid, I think that would really help the lower the turnover rate of the first and second year officials. And I'm just sort of curious because I think we've all been there as referees. I mean, what what exactly goes into assigning? I mean, what are you looking at? You're looking at, uh, um, you know, uh, experience levels. Are you looking at uh, just availability? I mean, what what kind of goes into assigning for you? Yeah, so there's 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 availability. That's the first one. So you only look at the people that are available. And then out of the people available, you can see how many games they've done this year. So their experience, if it's a first year, that's how many games they've ever done in their lives. Uh, you can see if it's a second year and third year, you see how many games they've done. And you can also see like how far they are from the rink and how far they are or how many games they've done that week. And if they have other games on the day. So you can avoid scheduling people for two different sets on the same day. You can kind of try to keep them close by to where they live. So they're not going too far. And you have a lot of little tools that you can use that can help you figure out how to assign the best person to each game. And that way you don't have officials driving across the city when there's somebody who lives beside that rink going the other way across the city. And and if you can also know, like if you get a report from a coach or a report from the league, you can also send out more experienced referees. I know we actually did that with, uh, I believe it was Craig actually, who you had on the podcast before where there was a novice coach who was, he just was ripping into novice uh, first year officials all season and they sent out experienced officials. It was Craig and I can't remember who else they sent. And I think they are, if I remember correctly, they tossed three of the four coaches on the bench for that game. It's amazing. It comes to that now. Uh, nowadays. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, so you can see the experience level. You can, you judge all that and then you assign those games. Well, anyway, Sean, uh, we're just sort of wrapping up now, but um, I just want to say thank you for taking your time to, uh, to I guess, uh, come on to the podcast and sort of give your um, perspective on these things like assigning and, you know, um, the values and skills that it takes to make a referee and, you know, the skills that you can take away from it and apply to your life. And, yeah, I just want to thank you and um, appreciate your help. Oh, well, first, just thanks for having me. It was a good time coming on the podcast. I'm glad to join the list of other great officials that you've had on here. And I guess one last piece of advice would probably be just to do it. Uh, don't be afraid. 
if you think you'd like it, if you enjoy hockey, just try it. It doesn't hurt to try. It never hurts to try something.